the stars are shining bright in Texas. Experience all the action and cheer on your Lone Star hockey team live as the Dallas Stars battle for postseason positioning in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't miss a second of Texas hockey action. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets today. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. The long and winding road, it leads me back to your door, will never disappear. I've seen that road before, it always leads me here. What a trip. As you can tell, kind of punchy. Schedule maker was on edibles. Welcome to a semi-delayed bus plane hotel room edition of the Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Full disclosure, we didn't have our mics on the trip, but we did have the mic Hello again, Mike Heike. Have you missed me? It's You know, it, it's a funny question. It's difficult to miss you, Daryl, because you're there all the time. Well, I haven't seen you in upwards of 11 hours. Uh, so a few things. A few things. Uh, Dallas to Buffalo to Seattle is not logical. I don't, I don't even need Spock to figure that one out for me. That's a hot Star Trek reference right there. That, that was insane. I mean, it was comical how stupid that was. And yet they handled it swimmingly. How did you handle it, Mike? I was going to say they handled it well. Uh, me, not so much. Well, it's now, we all, we, all, we all did pretty good, I thought. Um, even, the, even the coast-to-coast wasn't that bad. Uh, good cities, uh, pretty good hockey. There were some uh, hiccups in there, but yeah. It, it was a fun trip. I, I enjoyed it. There were no hiccups from Dallas to Buffalo to Seattle, Mike. They won all the games. They scored a gazillion goals. Ten goals to start it all, and then a 20-40 finish. The, the kid is looking calder, and Robo has left a trail of goalie tears this season. We learned that the Stars have learned how to win in overtime. They finally shifted the trios. They're very stubborn. Once they got to it, though, onboarded some individuals, decided, you know what? Uh, screw it. We're just going to play forwards. That, that's, <laughs> that seems to work out better than whatever was going on before. Unfortunately, they lost a couple of guys along the way. Attrition was a story on the trip. They allowed a lot of goals. We'll get to more of that, I'm sure, as we spitball this one around today, but as much as they scored a lot of goals, they allowed plenty. And how about this, Mike? They they still can't get back to winning the Western Canadian swings. Remember how they used to just go up to Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary and just take no prisoners, walk out of there with nothing but victories? My own opinion, there's a dearth of Western boys now. There's like myself... Jamie Ben, the other Matt Murray. I think that's it. 
Is that it? Uh, I think you're right. It was funny when they were doing O Canada and I'm looking on the ice and there are three American players. I was kind of laughing. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, these stars are Fintario. I'm going to start calling them the Fintarios. <laughs> That's right. It's just, they, got, they got a little U.S. in there, too. Like I said, there was Ottinger and Pavelski and Robertson all standing for O Canada. Okay, okay. Fintarioica. There, <laughs> how's right. that? Perfect. Fintarioica. I don't think it's going to catch on, but I'm going with that. So you're, did you have a big swathy takeaway from the six-game road trip in a dozen days or whatever we were on the road for? I guess the one thing, and Pete talks about a lot, is they handle adversity well. Uh, you know, you look at what's going on in Winnipeg right now. Uh, you look at some of the other places uh, where they've had trouble. Um, and adversity can, can you know, roll up into three or four or five losses or, or, you know, four losses in five games or whatever. And this team doesn't seem to let that happen. They lost a couple of key players. They had, I, I do think that Vancouver game was kind of a kick in the gut for them because it was just, you go to Seattle, now you got to go back to back. Now, it, it, as weird as it was light travel, I think the trip started to catch up with them there. But then, you know, Obviously, Edmonton is a dynamic offensive team, and that was a tough game to win. Uh, but them coming back and snapping back against uh, Calgary when it sure looked like that was going to be a, a very difficult loss after leading to nothing. So my, I guess my lasting point is they do seem to know how to handle adversity. And I think that's a very important uh, trait to have as you go into the playoffs. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was pondering how much better is this team than the one that lost to the Flames in the spring last year. And, for, well, first off, this version can manufacture goals better. Yes. And that was their number one issue. Like, who cares? Not who cares, but, yes, Jake Ottinger can stand on his head, but they just couldn't score uh, to save their lives. And this group can, and they had to, in Calgary, ironically, again, in order to get the 6-5 win, 6-5 is the best score in hockey. We we talked about that on the plane, you and I. And Four is my favorite. You're a moron. It's 6-5. <laughs> I five. am a moron. 6-5 is right. the best score in hockey. It's the best score in hockey. When, when, when a game gets decided 6-5, I would bet that 98% of the time there's been a lead change or multiple lead changes. Yeah. You get, you get 11 goals. It, there's There's – jubilation and destruction on both sides. I think it's the best score in hockey, 6-5. So they have that. And then this team, as you were alluding to, and so eloquently uh, laying out for us, this group seems to have a, a good shrug and we're moving on quality about it. And that comes from the coaching staff that's come in here because that – that has not been the case before, and, and you're spot on that there's a lot of other places where it's probably 9,000 meetings after every loss and, and benchings and healthy scratches and all kinds of things. And it sounded like the Stars coaching staff and the players themselves, I mean, you just look at they're, they're staring down their first three-game losing streak of the season in regulation, and the, the coaches – enjoyed St. Patrick's Day in Calgary and they got on the ice in the morning at the Saddle Dome and they're sticking cups on the young guys' heads and going through morning skate. There, there was no 
hey, we need to coil up and it, this needs to be our best. And oh my God, things are going bad in Western Canada. It was like, yeah, you know, we're going to go out and uh, give them our best here tonight. Just be loose and play aggressive and dictate and initiate. And that's what we're all about. You looked over on the other side and they're robotically going through morning skate. They're coming off a great win in Vegas. But even with the win, they're scratching Milan Lucic. You know, whatever. Maybe he, he can't add what he he could add before on the ice, but he's a, a very important veteran guy in the room in that. And then you get into the game, and three minutes in, the Stars have scored a couple of goals, and the Saddle Dome is shocked and, and everything else. I, I think it all winds together. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and it's funny. We were talking about the overtime losses. Uh, Calgary's number one, Dallas number three. Um, but those overtime yeah, losses. They, they just keep hitting posts. Yes. I mean, as much as it was a great 6-5 win, man, yeah. they dodged a bunch, a bunch of ballistics in that one. They lead the league by a mile in posts and crossbars hit. Wow. And then you watch the game. They, what did they have? Six? Yeah. Six, I think, posts. Well, and then, like, not – on the outside of the post, like they hit the elbow oh, a they, couple of times. Yes. They, like, how did that not go in? <laughs> they have no puck. They have no puck luck, but it's like, yeah. it's like the habitual nature of this sport, especially where you start winning overtime games or you start coming back on teams in third periods, whatever it is, all of a sudden you just do it all the time. And it goes the other way. If, if you start losing one goal games and you can't win in overtime, and you keep hitting posts, it just feeds itself. And you end up in this ball of Murphy's Law where anything that could go wrong is going to go wrong, and and you just feel like it's a cursed season. And we'll see whether they can get in. I, I, I How does it all of a sudden change in the last dozen games of the year for them? I don't, I don't I don't know. I don't think it does. I don't but think it's it does. interesting, too, because I think Robertson or uh, – uh, Ottinger pointed this out. He goes, they won their division last year. They had a hundred, didn't they? Were they best in the West? The the Flames or their actual record during the regular season? Like, like I think it was Robertson was saying, because this is a really good team. They were, they you know, they had a hundred well, and some were, odd points last year. Mike, were they not the two seed in the West? I think they to were. To play they? the sevens? Whatever they were. But they won their division, and they were very good. And now for them to be where they are, the and they Colorado, have made a lot of changes Mike, in the Mike, offseason. Mike, Mike, did the Colorado Avalanche finish with more points than them last year? That was in the Central Division. You said in the West. I know, I lied. What is wrong with you? I'm just uh, here, I'm just I'm here to fact-check this, this pod man rush. If you're going to continue with your hooey, you're you're supposed to be the newspaper man. I'm the guy that doesn't have my ducks in a row for crying out loud. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, as I was writing one of my stories on the plane, you said uh, you need more details, and I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't like details. I just like you were glossing picture. over. You were glossing gloss, over no. some stuff. I'm gonna call you the glossifier. Uh, nobody's glossing over what McDavid is doing in in Edmonton and. Look, he's a better version of himself on an Oilers team that is better in its supporting cast. And that that is a dangerous little combination that they have going down the stretch here. There has never been a player like him in the league. The computer is as fast as his skating. 
And there's been lots of fast guys. There have been guys who skate a million miles an hour and their hands can keep up. But his head is almost ahead of his skating, which is – he's a fawn. He's the true fawn. He is a freak of nature. He's Gretzky with Paul Coffey skating. And we haven't seen this level of dominance in 30 years in the league. And you watch him in that game, and as much as he got quiet for a little while and this and that, like he's a driven guy, just like uh, McKinnon was, it felt like, last year with the Avalanche. And he's just going to win games by himself at some point. He's getting lots of help, but when the game's on the line, I'll just go and win it. I'm going to go and do that. And away he goes. No, he's a, he's a joy to watch. Uh, I was looking uh, on some of the press boxes up there and seeing pictures of Pavel Bure. And, uh, you know, uh, it brings back the memories of Solani as well. Just, you know, just how good they were for that one or two seasons. Um, he He's better than that. Yeah. And that's that's shocking. Like, I mean, Pavel Bure in his prime and, and Tamu Solani in their prime. Were they, were the, just they were the most exciting dynamic. players in the league. It yes. was like. It was like Lafleur back in the day, like when Solani was on the ice and grabbed the puck, like, whoa. And Bure, th- there, there was nothing really like Bure at the time because, yep. I mean, he was the Russian rocket for a reason. He could, he could skate past people. He would dangle through people. He would finish when he did all that. Like it was, it was yeah. a time. But it's been forever since we've, we've been able to witness what we're witnessing with this guy. Man, and I think he, you know, again, it's all anecdotal, but I think he's better than than either of those two. He might be the greatest player that's ever played in this league. Yeah, we got some think. time to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes you got to do it over 20 years or whatever. But yeah, he may be like you're sitting there and you think of how good Leon Dreisaitl is. <laughs> and then and then you're like, this guy's 30 something points ahead of him in the scoring race on the same yeah. team. Yeah. It's we always little, BS with them. What's that? I so said we always BS with the media and like they could not say enough great things about Dreisaitl at the morning skate. Yeah. They were just telling, you know, just how amazing he is. Then you, like you said, and then you look up and, oh yeah, this other guy, it's got 30 more points. Yeah. He's more, he's amazingly earnest. That one. <laughs> I love that uh, Dreisaitl was interviewed and he was, he was talking about, uh, he and McDavid, and and he's like, yeah, you know, it, we've always had this friendly competition as far as their offense and points and goals and all that. And he was like, I don't, it's not as friendly this year. <laughs> he's running away with it, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, and it, he has himself to blame because he was the guy at the beginning of the season said, I think Connor can score sixty, and I've told him that he needs to shoot more. So what does McDavid do that with that? Leon Dreisaitl should get votes for coach of the year. He, he should be up for the Jack Adams. He, he's the guy that said, Connor, why don't you try to score 60? And he's like, yeah, I should try that this year. What is he, a goal shy of it now? Something like that. It's amazing. It's, just it's how, insane. Like when we're watching Robertson and, and just amazed at what he's doing, like, oh, yeah, this other guy's got 20 more. Well, yeah, and, and Jason, I was so glad that he – he capped off the road trip in the manner that he did, but throughout it, you're sitting there and you're looking, you're looking at it and you're like, he's got like, like this, this team has been a good team all year. They've led the division, blah, 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 blah. He's 20 points ahead of any of his teammates in scoring 20 points. He's got 12 games left to, to be the greatest scorer in Dallas stars history. 
Yeah, and that's why the other Connor is on everyone's radar when you watch Connor McDavid because from an organizational nader, uh, lucky franchises get to draft the likes of of Connor McDavid, and every decade or so, one of these guys seems to come along. You know, we're going to have Crosby come in this week. And it was the same thing back then, and he's still chugging along. And <laughs> nobody even mentions him anymore. And you look at the season that that he's had, and you're like, wow. And like you say, he's been doing it forever, and I'm sure McDavid's going to do it forever and ever and ever. And maybe we'll be seeing a lot of Connor here in the coming month. It might be a Stars Oilers redux from – 20 years ago. It's been 20 years since the the two of them have hooked up. Amazing. Just amazing stuff. It really is. Getting old, Daryl. Getting old. You are, but not me. No, I'm getting wiser. You, you are getting old. <laughs> you look and sound old. That's true. Uh, GM meetings, speaking of old guys uh, <laughs> that, that control this game, they had their meetings. Not a ton of stuff came out of it. Uh, no appetite for a lot of things. They like this game we're seeing. Kind of tough to argue with that a lot of nights. Would I agree you with agree? That. Yep. Just need to continue to make sure the consumption of this great game and league is as easy as logging on to a Wi-Fi network. We need that. We need to continue that. Uh, but the one big thing that stuck out was the, would it be the adjudication of fights after clean bowel-shaking hits? That's a good point. Yes. So trying, the number trying. that came, the number that came out, Mike, was ninety of two hundred and seventy fights this season were a product of a clean hit that then had instant retribution seeking in its wake. Uh, it, it feels like they don't want that to be a thing, and I I've found it insane forever. A that players nowadays don't just get the number and and there's a long game and maybe you're going to see that team again and and that kind of retribution. Or just the fact that if it does happen and a guy gets clocked and then a teammate comes in and attacks the guy, a lot of times it was just like they gave each of them five for fighting and you're like, you do have an instigator rule and why would you not implement that so that you can put a cap on all of these type fights and uh you know it's it's a weird time in in general but i like that they, at least they had the conversation and it seems like they're trending in that direction as far as the officials maybe they've been memoed that when a guy does attack another guy and more times than not it, there's a cross check or a slash or something and then there's a fight you're like that is instigation and that was a slash call call them all and then move on yeah, and the frustration is that a guy who makes a good hit then has to get dragged into all of that. Like, I mean, here you are, you're trying to do something good. If you go score a goal and then somebody comes and cross-checks in the face, yeah. you know, that's not that's not your fault. No. You know, I'm sorry that they're mad at you, but, you know, you did something right. And so the guy who does make the clean hit, uh, oftentimes a younger guy, you know, who's out there trying to make a name for himself, now all of a sudden he's dragged into something for making a good play. And and that is frustrating. I think I, I do think the GMs look at this in an old school way, and I'm old school too, so I, I agree with them. 
And there's probably at issue a little bit of the, there aren't a lot of big hits anymore in the yeah. game. So it sticks out and it's like, oh my God, that was violent. Let's fight. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the stars were, they were right in the wheelhouse of that for a while earlier this season. Every time somebody got hit, there was a fight. And that is just, that just stopped in its tracks. The stars have not, been in a fight, or no, excuse me, they've been in one fight. Luke Lendenning fought Pesci when Kiviranta got drilled. And then the the interview after with Luke was, he didn't even know what went on. It I know. Was so, it was so perfect. I didn't even know what went on. I just saw Kivi down. And I grabbed, grabbed the closest guy to me and fought him. And you're like, all right, I can live with that. I like that. <laughs> The one in Vancouver, Glenn Denning comes back and and he gets nailed, clean hit. Uh, Juleson comes across and nails him, and Raddick just attacks him immediately. And they didn't even give him five for fighting. They gave him yeah. a double minor for roughing, and they gave the other guy uh, a minor for roughing. Uh, but it is stopped so that the Glenn Denning Pesci fight is the only fight the Stars have been in since the fourth of December, when Foxa fought Middleton of of uh, Minnesota. That's it. There, there have been no fights at all. I thought they were going to maybe lead the league there for a while in pugilism. And, and now that, that has faded. I, I think Rick talk it's Vancouver Canucks are probably going to take the title. They seem to fight night after night, or at least they got into a lot of them, but the coach, you know, you know, there was that, there was the skate cut thing out of the GM meetings. I don't know what came of, of that, but obviously a, an important thing in Star's world with Tyler's uh, laceration. And But I don't know how you, what are you going to make him wear a, like a Kevlar underwear onesie underneath their, their gear? Like they can't even get him to wear socks. Even guys that get cut won't wear the Kevlar after. Hockey players. Hockey players. It doesn't make sense. It's like visors. I was looking the other day. I think there are eight, seven, eight guys left in the league. Jamie's one of them. Lucic was another. They got yeah. scratched the other night. But there aren't many left in the in the game. Pretty soon there'll be none because the league legislated that. And, and I like. I actually do like that format. And it's almost like the helmets as well. I get it. You can't force a guy to wear a visor or helmet, but you can say these kids who come in, look, you're going to start at whatever age 10 and you're just going to keep it on. Right. It can't be that hard. They've had it all the yeah. way through yeah. anyway. So the idea that all of a sudden I'm in the NHL, I'm going to put my eyes out there, <laughs> see whether that continues on. All right. Uh, hot thoughts. You and I <clears throat> spend an awful lot of time sitting next to one another, absolutely crushing bags of all-dressed chips uh, on our way, crisscrossing the country and two nations. And you, you came up, I think it was, it was actually posed to you by someone else, but you brought up a topic that I hadn't even thought about, and then we went down the wormhole to figure out how legitimate this was. So, Mike, go ahead. Have the floor. Tell the people. Craig Ludwig asked this question. Hey, uh, what, when's Hitch getting in the Hall of Fame? And I'm like, I don't know. And then you start looking, you're like, huh, this, like, he probably is the next coach who should be in the Hall of Fame. But it's just funny 
how the Hockey Hall of Fame has treated NHL head coaches. Because uh, the past, I believe it's past three, there may be an NHL guy in there, uh, but the past three have been Canadian junior, Canadian college, and uh, U.S. college, I think, uh, who have gotten in there. Uh, maybe it was somebody anyway, but it wasn't an NHL coach. Well, that or it was a NHL coach that was also a GM. Correct. Yeah, I think he actually made his name more like Lamorello guys like that. Uh, oh, Pat uh, Quinn. Pat Quinn made their name as a GM. Not a, they were coaches, but you know, I think the, I think the one that that stuck out was uh, Pat Burns, who was yep. just a coach in the league, but. Uh, that one was was it posthumously? I think it was. Yes, right? it was four, which four is, years after he died. Which really sucks. That that's stupid. Yes. That should never yeah. happen. I mean, no, it and that's happen, why that's but, what, you know, yeah. But no, then it, it was it, like it, Fred Shiro went in thirty years after <laughs> he was coaching the Flyers in the mid seventies. Like, what are they doing? That and again, why is there not more respect for that position? I don't so, know. So uh, Burns went in in two thousand and. What do we got here? 14. He passed away in 2010. Cheryl went in in 2013. He did his work in the 70s. Uh, Herb Brooks went in in 2006. Uh, and uh, Roger Nielsen in 2002. That's pretty much the coaches for the Was last Roger posthumously 20 years. Um, yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like... They're like Poor painters. Coaches. They're like artists. They have to die before yeah. they're, they're actually the value, valued. The value of their work goes up. Like it's, it's crazy. Now, to your, you and Letty though, the, the point you start looking at. Okay, if it's not Ken Hitchcock, then, then who are we looking at? So and Joel Quenville, yeah, is the one yeah. is the one numbers wise, but there's a little bit of an asterisk. There, there. is, there is yeah. right now. Who yeah. else? And, and then the other one would be uh, Barry Trotz, who's ahead of Ken in actual wins, but his winning percentage isn't near what Ken's is. Yeah. And now and he's so moving into management. Correct. With and Nashville. And then the other guys, I mean, there's a bunch of guys who are on the list who are coaching right now. Uh, Lindy, Maurice, um, uh, who else we got here? Sutter, um, uh, Babcock, who's not coaching right now, but I mean, you know, that's, it's a pretty strong resume for, for that guy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a long list of guys who could go, uh, but it almost looks like Ken's the the next logical choice. If the hall decides it wants to honor any I coaches. Know. I know. It, looking through that list when, when we were on the plane or on the bus or wherever we were, the, it, it's striking in that category of the Hall of Fame, in the builders category. It felt yes. like for a, a long time they were just inducting each other. Yes, like they. It was like they were not look. Certainly not looking at that position of the history of the league, and these poor guys have been so disposable anyway. That's where they get fired and hired and whatever. But it, it's like people that worked in the league. Presidents and commissioners of the league, general managers in the league, and then that's about it. Uh, uh, owners, were there a few owners in there maybe? A couple of owners and then some quote-unquote historic figures, uh, guys who you know broke racial barriers and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, you're just like, I mean, it's funny to watch a game and think how important the head coach is. 
and then think that why they are disposable. They're disposable to the owners. They're disposable to the GMs. They're disposable to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and that's a tough thing to watch because, you know, you look at some guys who have really accomplished great things. And two years later, they're like, yeah, that guy stinks. So feels like I the guess NFL, it's just a job. If, yeah. It feels like the NFL Hall of Fame is way different. Yes. That they they look and revere the head coaches. Yeah. I blame the media. I think it's I do uh, too. broadcasters. I, blame, and I don't the blame reporters. the media as much. We do our job in celebrating coaches. Yes. Every single year we do our job, Mike. Yes, you it's do. the one area where you clowns fail in the professional hockey writers world because you don't even have time to vote on this. We do. We pick who the best three coaches each season were and ultimately vote, cast our votes for the man who led and coached his way to the coach of the year every single season. And we, I would say our get it right number is probably 100%. I would agree with in that. In the Jack Adams. Yeah, you do a I great job. I think it's job. 100%. I think we nail it every year. Yep. Nobody has a debate because we know we're the ones. You know what my big hot uh, opinion was or thought? I was thinking this. I was thinking this. Hockey quite possibly could be the first of the big sports to integrate females onto their rosters. How about that? That was shocking. I, I tossed it over in my head a couple of days, to tell you the truth, as I, as I did the measurements of, uh, you know, the, this player is going to have to be at least, you know, 5'10 or whatever, which is fairly rare a lot of times for uh, female athletes. And then they're also going to have to be strong and fast. And because uh, I think you pointed out, it's not going to be a goalie. It's going to be a skater. I didn't say that. I no, said I the other thing. No. Look, you said. Goal, look, 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 look. Goaltenders have nothing to do with the rest of the sport. It's it's a solo thing. It's different. They're not expected to deal with the physicality of of hockey. We, we're close to it already with e-bugs. You can't tell yes. me that there's you you cannot tell me right now that there is not an elite female goaltender that couldn't step in like an e-bug, and finish a game in the National Hockey League. Not a chance. No, you are correct. You are correct. And fighting is going away. It was just banned in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So that that aspect of the game, not that they'd have to anyway, but it feels like it's it's going away. Smaller players, there's a proliferation of that in the league. We were just in Edmonton. Kyler Yamamoto is 5'8", 150 pounds. And he plays on their top line. 5'8", 150, Mike. That's, uh, that's a, an attainable size. And, and Kendall Coyne proved the skating is there right now for females to be able to keep up. Because she's faster than probably three quarters of the league. Yeah. So I, I believe you. they... You just need one quote unquote freak to demand the chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you you need you need someone in the women's game 
that is close to what McDavid is in the men's game right now, that they just have to say, yes, yes, you, you, we'll, we'll take a flyer on that one. I, I think I can see it. I can see it happening. I really can. And probably more so what I spoke of in the beginning with, uh, with a netminder. Manon Rayom did it years and years ago. It was a bit of a parlor trick in Tampa in a preseason game, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, you know, look, it's never going to, it's probably not going to happen in football unless it's a kicker. Right. Right. Basketball, yeah. likely not. Just the size and athleticism difference there would, although they just throw up threes all the time. Yeah. It's a new world. And there's lots of women that can, that can splash threes from all over the place. Baseball, uh, baseball. Baseball makes sense just because, I mean, if you're ever in a baseball locker room, the size of the athlete is not significant, uh, but not unlike golf, there is something to the the forearms and the, you know, the wrists and things of that nature that allow yeah, power. Cer- yeah, certain yeah. people to do, I mean, very special things. Yeah. Uh, and if, you know, you know, if you, you watch a female tennis player against a male tennis player or, or a female golfer against a male golfer, uh, there is some some structural differences uh, that allow the male to do certain things that put them in the top one percent. Man, there's some female golfers that have oh. just gorgeous swings, though. Yep, like perfect swings, and more and more power. It seems like all the time. So yeah. Anyway, it, it, it was, could be in every sport. I mean, it's it's an interesting month to uh, to. Well, why do you, you think know? I bring it up, Mike? I know, but I'm saying it. It also takes an old man and says, Hey, look at the changes that have happened with women in sports and, and where could we go in the next 20 years? Yeah. Uh, so it's neat to open your eyes and, and look around a little bit. Look at you bringing it. That's why you're so good at the reporting aspects of things. You look at it from the 300 foot level and you're like, you know what? March is women's month and we're celebrating that. Yep. And here and here we are, and, and I bring this up, and you button it off. And women's hockey is exploding in, in the Metroplex. Great women's yes. uh, girls' teams and, and that here, and uh, in the U.S. In, in general. So there you go. Plus, I'm, I'm obligated to state all the greatness of, of women athletes because I've got three of them in my house. So... <laughs> None of them wanted to play hockey, but uh, whatever. Hey, can I ask you one aside? Because this just comes from me dealing with women and, and the internet and everything like that. Do you think they actually would be good fighters? Because they, they seem to have anger at times. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like well, they whatever every- their mindset would be, it, it would kind of push them into fighting sometimes every intellectual and verbal battle would be won by the women the physical yes. ones no i, I think the guys <laughs> are still to gonna have an upper hand but okay <laughs> man if it got into trash talking i wouldn't want to be dealing with that they would just annihilate some of these <laughs> idiot players oh funny 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 uh, uh it's march mike it's march yes. it, it's uh celebrate women's month it's the final full regular season month. Uh, it's it's the month that is named after Mars, the Greek god of war. 
and you can smell the playoffs coming. Speaking of war. Yeah. Playoffs are coming. Stars need to focus on a couple of things. They need to restore the advantage part of home ice advantage because it is just not felt that way consistently or enough. And they need to tighten things up defensively. And those two things are likely connected to one another. I think a little bit better defensively at home. They've, they've been better on the road, goaltending and just their overall play on the defensive side of things than they have at home. And this would be a good time to rectify that going down the stretch, I would say. I agree with you. Uh, it, it was interesting that the coaching staff decided to go with seven defensemen uh, against Calgary uh, because, I mean, they have they had plenty of healthy bodies or en- enough at least to to not do that. Uh, and they've also been playing around with, uh, you know, which players do you want in the lineup? Which do you not? You know, is Nils Lundqvist ready for the playoffs? Did he need to take a seat? All that kind of stuff. But it, to me, when you look at that, you're like, I don't think they're really 100 percent set on what they want to do on the, on the blue line. And, and that's an interesting thing that they, I think they need to work out in, yep. in the, uh, in the next three weeks as they get ready for the playoffs is, is find those pairings, find how you want to use guys, find what minutes you want to use and, and find whether you really do want to push them to go up ice and, and join the fray. Yeah. I, I looked at it and I was like, okay, the top line was not very good in the previous two to three games on the trip. Yeah. They, they, Two thirds of of Max Domi's line had been had been uh, blown up by injury. the The Wyatt Johnston line and Wyatt's had an incredible season. They they were kind of had the team on their back yeah. on the trip and that. So it was. I, I bet heading into that game, it was a get get Nils in there especially if it turns into a special teams contest and and you have a guy that you can deploy on that that second power play unit because of the injuries they were they were shorthanded in that regard and also give a little extra ice to to maybe robo and and jump start him or rope whatever it is on on that other line yeah, uh, and it never really it never really turned into that. they were up to nothing immediately. Maybe it, maybe it was a little bit like a like a thoroughbred. Sometimes you don't have to hit them with the with the riding crop. Just show it. Yeah, they just show it down the stretch. Just show it. Just just get it up there by the past the blinders, and just let them know if you don't kick it into gear here, buddy. You're gonna feel this on your hind quarters, and with that they they hit the gas, but. A lot of teams are, are running 11 and 7 here yeah. lately. Uh, and some of it might be near the end and there's there's enough rest in between games and, and all that. And the Stars had a couple of days between that game and then facing Seattle here this week. So if guys are going to get loaded up on minutes, end of the road trip, just exhaust whatever you have in order to win a hockey game. And and they did it. They exhausted everything all the way through to overtime. And what a blast that was to watch the yeah, perfect guy to do it too. in in Robertson on just a diabolical little dangle. What a beautiful goal. Just silk. When you go look back at the stretch pass too, I think uh, Joe did a great job of putting him in a good place and then rope driving the net. But yeah, that 
Jason. Joe, Joe, Joe should be really happy that, that Michael Backlund didn't knock that thing down. Because if he did, <laughs> he was right next <laughs> if he did, it was it was him and Jake from the hash marks in. But yes, it was a it was a very a couple of very uh important, savory, as I mentioned in, in Seattle, uh you know, that sauce pass by Max Domi to set up Miro Haskinen's winner, you know, truffle sauce there. This was a little longer than truffle. This this yes. moved into succulents from Joe. And, you know, I heard af- immediately after the game from the Flames' perspective, they're like, how stupid can you be? There are three forwards on the ice. What do you think they're going to do? Right. They're going to take off. And yet they still give up that chance, you know, basically a two-on-one and then and then Robo just undresses Anderson, who was terrific in the game, uh, and and rips it past. I don't know what Markstrom was doing. That is not how you double pad stack. Even if he'd have done it like we did back in the eighties properly, yeah, Robo would have still scored. Yeah, but whatever that was was not how you're taught. It looked he 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 was a mess. Like the tying goal, and then that one. That, that that's not winning goaltending, and they didn't win. So. What a great way to cap it, though. And then they were like, you know, the the Flames are are trying to hang around, goalie interference, this and that. I love it. it. We had a shot of the Stars, you know, loitering for a little bit, and then Robo basically looking back and going, we're done. We're going home. This is over. I want we're it. Tired. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Robo had a great description of his move that you called demonic. Uh, he said uh, – It was evil. You know, I th- – he goes, I think I surprised me. He goes, but I surprised myself too. Like I didn't know said? I was going to, yeah, he did. He goes, I'm not, I didn't know I was going to do that. It just happened. Yeah. I'm telling you, capricious little epiphanies like that are the best. Yep. They are. Because the other side has no idea what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. So, Correct. Beautiful. Anywho, good to be off the road and back in North Texas where we can now be organically assaulted by the trees and landscapes for the next little bit. <laughs> <laughs> pollen and allergy season Meisenhead head yeah. are ready to square off and throw down huh i'll take a two yeah. five and a ten just like in the <laughs> nhl with this stuff god uh, it doesn't bother me that much but it does make a mess of the house and oh. the yard and everything else well and you have to wash your car too much yes you do but it is it is good to be back here looking forward to this week the the third game in 11 days against the kraken and then crosby and the penguins and then I don't know beyond that. Who is it next? Do you know? Uh, That's why we have schedules online. I was going to say the Saturday game is at Vancouver. Vancouver? Yeah. We get the Canucks again? Yeah, I think. Oh, there you go. Payback. That's a good Haven't week. Beat them. Haven't That's a lost good week our, for our, fans. Have not beat the Canucks in five now? Could be. It, that's crazy. Well, the worm is about to turn. And this has been another Podman Rush Presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Uh, We'll see you. Stars fans, looking forward to seeing you at American Airlines Center this week. Uh, Mike, would you like to say goodbye to anyone? No, I've uh, talked to everybody I need to talk to. All right. See you, Mike. See you, Dan. Tom, it's over. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Done. 
Want to stay up to date on what's happening with your favorite team? Now you can by signing up to become a Dallas Stars insider. The bed and a shot stop, second rebound, score! Get the scoop on the latest team news, exclusive ticket pre-sales, contests, and much more. Delivered right to your inbox. Ran himself right into oh, it. Oh, score! How in the world? Subscribe today and start getting yours at DallasStars.com slash insider.